Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where OP costs his company millions of dollars. Our next Reddit post is from Striker Onima. So I worked as quality assurance at a factory. To start, I'll explain the reporting process. When something goes wrong in the factory that's directly tied to quality, such as bad coloring or defects, I, as a QA lead, have to write a report. These reports were very detailed and extremely time-consuming. Now, when something went wrong that wasn't directly tied to quality, but still affected it, such as a machine breaking down or foreign material getting in the machines, in that case, the lead in charge of the machines was supposed to write the report. Somehow, all of those reports ended up being written by me, even though I had my own time-consuming job to do. I had been asking to not do other people's reports for months, and my boss told me to remind other leads when they had to do a report. One day, I'm doing my reports, and I hear over the radio that a refrigerator unit has gone out, and all the product was coming out as boiled mush instead of frozen. So I called up the refrigeration team and told them, you have to do a report on this. I'll send out an email explaining how many pallets of product that we lost. So I send out my email and continue on with my day. Two weeks later, my boss calls me into her office and asks me why I didn't write a report on the incident. I said, you told me to remind the other leads to do it and to not write their reports. She responded, well, if you have time to send an email, you have time to write a report. Then she made me sign a write-up for failure to do my duties. Well, a couple of months later, the exact same thing happened, and the only thing I did was tell the refrigeration team over the radio to write a report. I did nothing else, knowing the refrigeration team wouldn't write the report. Since there was no report or helpful emails, the product was almost shipped out two months later, but it was caught by one of my QAs who mentioned the incident to my boss. My boss calls me to her office and tells me, This incident is going to cost the company millions of dollars in lost product and a fine from Walmart for not meeting their contract. Why didn't you email me about this? I said, I didn't have the time, but I did tell the refrigeration team to write a report. She couldn't write me up for it because I had emails from her telling me how to handle these situations. Oh man, corporate America pisses me off so much. OP is clearly a star worker. OP is going above and beyond to do other people's work and pick up the slack. And of course, what do they do about it? Do they give him a raise? Do they thank him for his service? No, they punish him for it. So what does he do? He stops picking up the slack and then the company loses money. It's like, huh? What did you expect to happen, you idiot? I am so glad that I'm not working in corporate America anymore, you guys. Man, I love being a YouTuber. Our next Reddit post is from my aim to sneeze. I just got a nosebleed for the first time in a while, and it reminded me of this story. I used to get them fairly often as a kid, but less so as an adult. One day, while I'm in the office, I got a pretty profuse nosebleed. I tried to just plug it up and keep going about my day, but this one was long-lasting. So I head over to my boss's desk to let her know I was going to work the rest of the day from home and take care of my nose. She's currently talking with one of my coworkers, and normally I wouldn't interrupt. But given the circumstances, I came up and started with, Excuse me, boss. Sorry to interrupt, but... Without looking up, she cuts me off and says, You can clearly see that I'm in a one-on-one. Please be polite and wait for me to finish. Alright, you got it. By this time, the tissue that I was using to plug my nose was getting redder and redder. And by the time that she finally looked up, it was not a pretty sight. 
She asked me why I didn't say something sooner, and I just repeated back to her what she had told me. She sheepishly said, Obviously, stuff like this would be an exception. I just shrugged and walked back to my desk to get my things. Our next Reddit post is from Plogan. This story is about Jack, who's 28, his sister Tina, who's 24, and their parents. This happened a while back, maybe three or four years ago. My college friend told me about how his cousin basically screwed over his family by moving out when they told him to. So Jack is roughly 28 and still living with his parents, but he pays their bills, electricity, water, internet, etc. This is a big two-story house, so the bill is big too. His sister, who's 24, had left the house by then and gotten married to a guy who made good money. She had been taking credit for paying the household bills and convinced their parents to kick out her brother because he was a shut-in loser. Because none of them understood his job. A bit of backstory about their parents. My friend tells me that they're like those stereotypical teens in those cliche high school movies who basically look down on nerds and think the people who study hard are uncool. Anyway, they kept that mentality even after growing up and having kids. So they always looked down on Jack for being nerdy and favored Tina because she was pretty and popular in high school. But apparently Jack didn't really care because he had plenty of other friends. So Jack's parents confront him. They badmouth him about how he stays in his room and they say that his sister, her husband, and her kid need the space. So they tell him that he has until the end of the month to leave. Jack didn't say a word. He just nodded and left by the end of the week and moved three cities away to a city closer to his other relatives. Two months go by, and his sister calls him asking why this month's bills weren't paid. Apparently, their lights and water had been shut off. He tells her that she should have paid them since she was allegedly paying them before. About a week goes by, and he gets a call from his parents explaining how his sister confessed to everything and how he can come back and have his old room back so long as he keeps helping them pay the bills. He refused, saying that he enjoys living by himself now and he can focus on his work more because he's away from them. Afterwards, he blocked their numbers, and now they have to pay for their bills themselves. He doesn't know what happened to them after that because he's no longer invited to family gatherings. Hold on, these are grown-ass adults, and they don't even know who's paying for their electric bills? I think these parents took the whole stereotype of hating smart nerds a little bit too seriously because these people are idiots. How can you live in a house as an adult and presumably own the house but not even know who's paying the electric and the water bills? What morons! Our next Reddit post is from Heathen Yak. About 10 years ago, my employer didn't have a sick leave policy. It was at your supervisor's discretion. One year, I got the flu, and I was in bed for several days. On the third day, my supervisor called and said that I had to come into the office the next day. I explained that I had the flu, and I look and feel terrible, and I was very sick. He said, no excuses, no exceptions. My policy is three days max. So the next day I went into the office and the president of the company said, Jesus, why are you here? You look terrible. Go home. I explained that I had to see my supervisor since he said that I had to come in. My supervisor sent me home after the president told him that he had to. The next week when I came back to the office, about 75% of the staff was out because of the flu. That was a very quiet week for me. Down in the comments, we have this story from Ben there. Last Monday, my daughter was very sick, and her kids were sick too. 
She tried to call off work, but her boss said that she had to come in, so she did. On Tuesday, she ended up in urgent care with fluid in her lungs. She had a double ear infection, and her kids were sick too. She stood up to her boss and said that she wasn't coming in. On Wednesday, her boss calls her in a panic because he's deathly ill. He has the same symptoms that his daughter has. He needs her to come in because he's too sick. She told him, no, it's his fault that he made her work sick on Monday, so her boss had to work sick that day. On Thursday, most of the staff is out sick. The boss is running on a skeleton crew, and he thinks that he needs to go to the hospital. My daughter is still sick and refuses to go in. On Friday, she's feeling better, so she goes in. Her boss is down for the count. Also, he has family coming into town. I wonder how many of the boss's family members are sick today, all because he just had to make her work on Monday. Our next Reddit post is from Hermit Krabby. For context, we live in the U.S. Yeah, I know, this only happens here. We recently got a $4,000 hospital bill for an overnight stay with a minor surgery for our son. This was after our insurance paid $16,000. We had our secondary insurance to pay an additional $1,500, but we had $2,500 left to pay out of pocket, so what now? Well, the hospital has a financial assistance program, and we qualify. Hooray, right? Not right. They find out that we have an FSA, which is basically a credit card that can only be used for medical expenses. They want to max out the FSA before they'll look at our income. My husband is pretty resigned to this and ready to fork over our whole FSA, but I'm pretty salty about it. We have a decent amount left on our FSA, but we need this for all of our appointments this year. We only have weeks to pay the bill or have it sent to collections, so there's not enough time to schedule a bunch of necessary appointments. I am determined not to let the entirety of this thing go to the hospital because I know that if they looked at our income, the rest of our bill would probably be dropped or significantly reduced. So what to do? I bought every FSA eligible item that I could think of on Amazon that we might need over the next six months. I spent about half of all available funds in our FSA in just one week, just in time for our final notice. We pay what we have left of the FSA, and then they finally run our numbers. Then we get a call that the rest of the bill is indeed dropped because we qualified for the reduction. OP, the really genius move after that would be to return all the stuff to Amazon and get your money back. Our next Reddit post is from Homeless Bill. Years ago, I went to a Catholic high school. I was also an atheist. Not an in-your-face, douchey atheist. I just didn't believe in God, and I wasn't going to lie about it. They offered a solid education, and I had a bunch of Catholic friends, so I'm obviously not going to be a jerk about it. I had no issue showing up at Mass and being respectful, taking four years of religion courses, or doing community service. But that didn't mean that I wanted to lead prayer. I didn't really mind saying a few words, but reading from the Bible never sat well with me and felt disingenuous. Luckily, most teachers were awesome, and I could respectfully opt out. But at least once a year, some teacher would absolutely insist that I go up and read from one of the many beautiful passages that you should know by now. Okay, I would walk up to the front and say the traditional greeting. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I would read 2 Kings 2, 23-34. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, baldy, they said. Get out of here, baldy. 
He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then, two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. For times that I didn't feel like going with 42 kids being brutally mauled by bears for making fun of a bald guy, there was another passage that was, somehow, often a more appropriate read. Deuteronomy 25, 11-12 if, <laughs> if two men are fighting, and the wife of one of them comes to rescue her husband from his assailant, and she reaches out and seizes him by his private parts, you shall cut off her hand. Show her no mercy. And then I'd finish up with the sign of the cross and head back to my seat. And what do you know, my turn to say prayer never seemed to come around again. Oh man, I knew, I just knew down in the comments that someone was going to quote this passage, which I think is the most notorious one. Ezekiel 23.20 She lusted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys, and whose emissions was like that of horses. Can't say I blame her, to be honest. Sounds like the perfect guy. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect guy. Our next Reddit post is from JC Stan. I'm a headstone designer. Years ago, a gentleman came to the shop looking to buy a grave marker for himself. He was in good health, just getting his affairs in order. Ordering a headstone before you need it is a good decision for a few reasons, including the fact that you can choose what goes on it. This client wanted us to engrave something pretty crude. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it included the F word, and it would have definitely caused some backlash in my small town. The cemetery, not surprisingly, rejected our proposal. I'm willing to engrave whatever my client wants on a stone, but we're constrained by the graveyard's regulation. No inappropriate images or wording should appear on the memorial. Bummer. We found a workaround. We engraved the scandalous epitaph on the bottom side of the stone. That way, nobody could know what was under there, and my customer could read it and laugh for all eternity. <laughs> and then the top comment down below is, It'd be funny as hell if on the bottom it said, F*** my tombstone fell over. That was r slash malicious compliant, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.